Hey, uh, why are you here this morning? Anybody know why they're here? Why are you here? Doesn't matter why anybody else is here. Why are you here? All right. You know, most of us, most of us don't even think too much every morning about, about why we're here. But the truth is, we have reasons for being here. And, and the question is, why are you here? You know, we've been talking about boxes. Dave introduced last week this uh, idea of getting God out of the box. And we're going to talk about it for a few weeks. The truth is, is that you and I have, have boxes for, for stuff in life. And fit stuff gets compartmentalized well in boxes. They're important. Like if my schedule, if my schedule is completely random all the time, uh, I, I just lose track of life. I need a box for my schedule. I need a place for my day to start. I need a place. Do you understand what I'm saying? I need a place for it to end. And for many of us, we create a box for God. And for most of us, our boxes is too small for God. It's too restrictive. It's made too much in our own image. All right? If you're new to K2, we just want to welcome you. And we just want to say that this is, this is really straightforwardly what we're about. We want to know who God truly is, and we want to help you pursue finding him. And, and too often, we make God in our own image. Uh, we all have boxes. Today, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to look at a psalm that David wrote. And psalms are poetry. They're songs, okay? I don't know if you like poetry. How many of you guys like poetry? All right. Some of you do, some of you don't. Poetry works like this. Poetry takes a few words and it, it rearranges them from the way we normally use them. Are you tracking with me on that? It rearranges the way we normally use words and it says it stronger. Okay. Does that make sense? Less words, stronger statement so that you get the idea. Okay, and, and Hebrew poetry is different than English poetry. English poetry gets based on words rhyming. Okay, does that make sense? Words or sentences rhyme. You tracking with me? Man, you guys are dead at this hour. Wow. All right, who understands what I'm talking about? You nod your head. This is how we do it, all right? Yeah, we either shout out a yeah or we, we nod our head yes and no, okay? So I got to know if you're tracking with me. Um, because this is really cool. All right, we're going to be in Psalms. And so Hebrew poetry doesn't work that way at all. In Hebrew poetry, the words don't rhyme, the pictures do. Does that make sense? The pictures rhyme, okay? The ideas rhyme, not the words. Does that make sense? So it's called parallelism. And they put two ideas next to each other that either finish each other and complete each other or stand in contrast. But the pictures rhyme and the words don't rhyme, which is why you can translate it into English and it still makes sense. So all of that Hebrew poetry still makes sense to us because it's the pictures that rhyme. Okay? And and the pictures are kind of like a box. I want you to imagine your box. What's in your box about God? What's in your box about God? What do you believe about God? Because we're talking about taking God out of the box that we've made and discovering the truth a little bit more about him. Are are you ready? All right, I want you to literally imagine, close your eyes if you have to, what is in your box about God? All right, we're going to work. We're going to roll up our sleeves and work here a little bit. What's in your box about God? 
Tozer says this. He says, what comes into our mind when the word God enters our ears, what comes into our mind at that moment is the most important thing about us. All right? The box that you have, the thoughts that you have about God, they shape the rest of your life. They shape what you think about relationships, what you think about the goal of your life, what you think about you'll do in this next year, what kind of job you should have, the way you should interact with your family. It comes out of what you believe about God. It comes out of your box. So what's in your box? I want you to literally imagine a box. Your box could be bigger, it could be smaller, it could be octagon, I don't care. Imagine a box for you. What's in your box about God? What's your image of him? All right, here's some boxes uh, that you and I might have. You and I might think that, that God isn't good. You know, I lost my, my aunt or my grandma or my mother or my father. They died. So-and-so left me. My dad left me. My husband left me. My mom left me. God isn't good because if he was good, this stuff wouldn't have happened to me. And, and we put that into our box. And that's in there somewhere. Some of us think that God isn't real. And if he is real, you know, he's more, it's just an idea. But if, if he is real, he's totally irrelevant to my life. And that's in your box about God. Okay, are you tracking with me? Here's some others. God started things off, but he's gone now. He's aloof. He's, he's far off. And it's up to us now. Okay, it's what the deist believes a couple hundred years ago, that, that God is a long ways off. He's an idea, but it's up to me now. Some of us believe that God is Jesus, that, that God sent his son Jesus to be my savior. All right? And, and I'm saved, and so God now fits into my suburban rock and roll lifestyle. And I meet with him from 6.56 to 7.03 every morning, and, and he fits well into what I do. And God fits in that box because I'm busy and I have life, and, and I'm saved and I'm sorted out and... And that's what God wants of me. Some of us think there's probably a God. He's probably good. Uh, but I'm going to have the time of my life right now just in case all there is at the end is dirt. I'm going to hedge my bets with him here. But just in case there's nothing else, I'm going to have a good time now. All right, God is love. And as long as I pursue love and I'm genuine and I don't hurt anybody else then God is good with that and he's pleased. As long as I'm genuine and I'm pursuing faith and I've made a God in my own image because, because socially that works for me because I don't have to have conflict with anybody else about anything they believe. It just works. And I put God in that box. God's a scorekeeper, maybe you think. God's a scorekeeper. Basically, I do my part here. He forgives a little bit. I play by the rules. He has a little bit of grace with me, and in the end, I'm good enough. I pass the test. And, and we live life according to that box. Okay, you see, we have all kinds of boxes. You got to know what your box is, because here's what's happening. At K2, we're going to go to the scriptures, and we're going to say, God, who have you said you are? Because, God, we are so prone to make you in our own image. We're so, we're so prone to put you in a box that works for us that fits our lifestyle. God, we want to take you out of that box. 
Where'd you get your box for God? Where did you get it? Could have been given to you. Could have got it at church. Could have got it where you were brought up. Could have picked one up at Walmart. There you go. Um, But largely, you decide a lot about the box that you have. You decide what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe. You decide if you're going to be willing to trust God to stretch that box bigger than you know. You know, Jesus was walking with his disciples, and they were at a particular point simply in awe of his power. They were just radically in awe of his supernatural power. And they're like, man, God, who are you? And Jesus said this. He said, if, if you had just the, the teensiest, tiniest bit of faith, just, just the faith of a little seed, um, he said, if you had just this much faith, you could, you could look at that mountain and you could throw it to the other side of the horizon. You could just pick it up and move it. See, what Jesus said is, he said, it's not about your little bit of faith. God is so much bigger than your box of him. He is so much grander than you can even imagine. If you had the slightest bit of faith in a big God, you could move mountains. You can move mountains. Last week, we said, could it be that there might be more? Could it be that there's more than we know? Have you ever known somebody who, who just knows everything? Have you ever been with those kind of people? After spending a couple hours with them, you're like, wow, you're, you're like a, a social economist. You, you, you're a meteorologist. You know everything about the way everything should work like internationally in regards to diplomacy. You know about just how capitalism ought to work properly and why it's not working. You know the best way for politics. You know how the church ought to run. Like, you're amazing. Have you ever been with those kinds of people? And you, you walk away wondering, are they serious? Do they really think that they've boxed up all of life and they know the best way? Have you ever been with them? Yeah. There's folks that we're with and then, uh, man, we're with them like that and then we don't want to spend lots of time with them because they, they pretend to have a box around everything in life. But the question that Dave asked us last week is, man, could it be that there's more? Whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, some of you guys are here and you're just saying, man, Jesus or God or I don't even know if you're real. I want to figure this thing out. Some of you are saying, man, I totally believe in you, but, but man, I, I need a nice small box to fit in my life. It doesn't matter who you are. Could it be that there's more to God than you've allowed him to be? Um, in 1 Kings 8, uh, Solomon is dedicating the temple. And he says this, uh, Solomon was a king, actually David's son. David wrote the psalm that we're going to read in just a minute. And uh, Solomon built a temple for God. And just an ornate, ama- the most amazing temple that's ever been in the land of Israel. And he's dedicating it. And here's what he said right from the start, right on the day it opened. Ornate with gold and every kind of jewel and the most amazing place you ever had. And, and this is what... This is what he says. He says, Will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, can't contain you. How much less a temple that I have built you. 
okay? God, you can't be contained. There's no box, no matter how ornate, no matter how specific, no matter how exact. There's no box that can contain you. You're not going to live in a box. And so the question that Dave asked us last week really starting us off is, could there be more? Could, the, could God have more to him than you and I know? And could he have more for you and me in that than we know now? So we're in Psalm 139. You can turn there if you want, or you can follow along. Psalm 139. David wrote it, and I tell you what, think of it as a picture. All right, think of it as David weaving together a picture for you and me of this God that is so far beyond his box. All right, so let's read along. Psalm 139. Let me pray for us, actually. God... Man, this morning, we want to hear from you. God, thank you. Thank you that you love us and you revealed yourself to us in your word. You breathed the truth. You inspired men to write messages from you to us. God, we have your word. We have who you are. Thank you so much. Thanks for this psalm. Would you teach us this morning, God? Would you, would you turn the lights on in our heart and our head that we could understand and, and not just know, God, but that we might, we might change. God, that we might walk with you, that I might walk with you, the infinite, eternal God, that I might walk with you closer, that my box would look less like me and more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn or I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know it full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the heart, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? 
I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David, crying out to his God, says, God, you are infinitely beyond everything that I am. And I am, I am finite, and you are infinite. You are beyond. He starts off and he says, God, you know me. You know me infinitely. And, and understand how this goes. He paints this picture, and this picture isn't an abstract picture about truths about God. This is about him and God. This is a picture about God and me. This is a picture about my relationship to the infinite God of the universe. And he starts off and he says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. God is the one who starts. In his infinite nature, he pursues us. He searches us and knows us. You know when I sit and when I rise. Everything about us... um, Man, the scriptures paint that God knows us. He isn't aloof and far off. He is close and he knows. He knows our our rising and our sleeping. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything. God has infinite knowledge. God is the God who didn't just start things rolling and then go off and, and head to the beach and wait to see how it turns out. God is infinitely involved in your life and in my life. And he knows and he cares. And check out why. He goes down he says, You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Even before I speak, you know it, God. Here's what he says. He says, You hem me in. Now, you got to know this about David. Who is David? David is the king. He's the general. David is a fighting man. He's a warrior, isn't he? He's exactly what God called him to be. In fact, the reason we had to read from Solomon earlier is because God says, David, I would love for you to build me a temple but your hands are full of blood. You, you are you're a killing machine. You are a soldier. And he says, I'm going to have your son build me a temple. And so this is who David is. David is, what's the first thing that we find out about him? He's out on the hills as a shepherd and he's defending the sheep and he's killing the attackers, right? The wolves and the lions and the bears and, and he's killing. And then Who is attacking Israel? The Philistines. And they're mocking him. And what does David do? David, as a young man, goes out and says, who does this guy think he is? He can't talk about God that way. And he slays the giant. And he comes as a man after God's own heart into being king, leading the nation, leading the nation in battle, in victory, and towards a pursuit of God. And that's who he is. And and he says this. He says, you hem me in. Literally, military word, you, you've got my front and you've got my back. You're my rear guard and my back guard. Literally, the word is siege, like you would lay siege around a, an area and secure it and hold it down. He says, you are the one who holds me. You're the one who's got my back. You've got my front. You care, get this, the infinite God of the universe not only knows my thoughts, but he cares enough to get my back. 
you know about me and you walk with me. He's not an infinite God who's out there, some idea. He cares about David and he cares about you and me. So here he goes. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Here's what he says. He says, God, my box is too small. It blows my mind. Such knowledge that you walk with me, David. It blows my mind. It's too good to be true. Such knowledge is too lofty for me. And he stands amazed. He says, God, you are infinitely, infinitely aware of us. You have infinitely just known us. He goes on, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? How can I hide? See, if, if there's an infinite God, and, and he's going to say he's the creator of the universe, if there's an infinite God who knows everything, who, who knows everything about us, what is, our, what is our tendency as people? First, we stand in awe of it, and then what do we do? What did, what did Adam and Eve do right from the start? They hid. That's exactly, if there's a God that actually knows me, who knows my wicked heart, who knows the faces I put on, who knows, God, where can I hide from you? If you know everything, where can I hide? And that's exactly where he goes. He says, I can't get away. I want to run. I want to flee. But, but even when I flee, you're still there. Okay? Verse 8, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if, if I rise all the way in the east where the sun rises, you're over there. And if it's all the way at the end of the day on the other side of the sea, you're there as well everywhere you're there. You infinitely know me and you're infinitely present. You are everywhere. I can't get away from you. And look why. Look what he says. He says, even there, verse 10, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is infinitely present, not as as somebody keeping score, looking to to slay you, not as somebody who's looking to put you down. He's infinitely there. Why? Why? to guide us, to hold us, to compel us to him. Isn't that amazing? The infinite God who is everywhere, who knows everything, who is everywhere present, is there to love you, is there to hold you, is there to guide you. He's not there to to catch you because you're running away. He's there to, to keep you, to hem you in, to protect you. I don't know if you know how big this place is, this universe is. Um, do you know much about earth and think about really how large earth is? Earth is, is large. And how many people are there here? About 3 million in Utah, right? And, and you're, just, you're just one, right? You're just one person in, in a state with a relatively small population, right? And, and he knows you. But, but there's 3 million people here in Utah, but on the world, you know, there's almost 7 billion people. Look at this picture of the world. Seven billion people. Do you know how big Earth is at the equator? It's like 25,000 miles around the Earth. 25,000 miles around, about seven billion people. This is a huge place, and God knows you and me. And he hems us in it, and you can't go anywhere he isn't because he wants to hold you and guide you and lead you to him. But our earth, as big as it feels, 
it's not nearly as big as our sun. Do you know our sun? It's about 92 million miles away. You can go to that next one. 92 million miles away from us. The sun is 332,946 times bigger than earth. 300,000 earths could fit in our sun. There are nine planets with various moons and stuff in our solar system. Our solar system, do you know how big it is? Our solar system is 7,500,000 miles okay, wide. 7,500,000 miles wide. All right? Big, big numbers. Uh, it takes light, okay? It takes light eight minutes to get from the sun to our face. When you step outside and that, that light hits you, it, that left the sun's surface eight minutes ago. All right? Enormous. Okay? Our solar system, absolutely enormous. You can't even imagine it. We can't get past our moon. Okay? Which is amazing in and of itself that we can get there. We can't get past our moon. All right? And some of you don't even believe that. But uh, 92 million miles away. Scientists know of 70 galaxies, not galaxies, 70 solar systems like ours inside our Milky Way. Okay? Our, our cul-de-sac in the universe is called the Milky Way, right? And, uh, and this is the Milky Way. And there are 200 billion stars in the Milky Way, okay? 200 billion stars in the Milky Way. And we can only devise telescopes that can tell us that there are about 70 other solar systems in the Milky Way, but they figure there's over 50 billion solar systems bigger than ours in the Milky Way, all right? And of what we know in the universe... Okay, of what we know in the universe, um, our Milky Way is big. In fact, it's 100,000 light years long. Uh, a light year is um, a light year is big. It's the it's the amount of time that it, uh, <laughs> it takes light to travel in a year, which is like a lot. I can't even remember exactly what it is, but it's 100,000 light years. So our our solar system is far smaller than a light year. It's 100,000 light years wide. Okay, the solar system is. All right? Milky Way is huge. How many of you have seen the Milky Way on a clear night? It's when it tips on its side like this. Um, see how it's, it's sideways? It's when, it, it's when it's on its side and we can see through it that we can kind of define, oh, wow, that's the Milky Way. All right, here's where our Earth sits in the Milky Way, kind of out on the safe perimeter. There's chaos happening in the middle of the Milky Way, and that's about where our sun and our, our solar system lands, okay? And this is... The God who spoke all of this into existence, who is infinitely beyond God, his word says, you go to the edges of the heavens and God is beyond there. He is present beyond there. He knows everything. Now check this out. Our solar system, the Milky Way, in comparison with the land in the United States of America, the Milky Way would fit on this cap in comparison to the land in the United States of America of the universe that we know exists now. And every time we build a bigger telescope, we find out that it's actually bigger. That God, who is omnipresent, he's everywhere. He's present everywhere I go. He knows everything about you and me so that he can hold us and pull us to himself. That God, 
who spoke all of this into existence? He calls to you and me and says, man, I want to be in your box. The real God, he wants us to know him and pursue him. Here's what the word says about God's creation. It just says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. God is an amazing, infinite, powerful God who spoke everything into existence. And, uh, and further on, it actually says in uh, Colossians that he was before everything was and he holds everything together in his hands. All of that he holds together in his hands. And that God wants to hold you and me from front and back. He wants to guide us and lead us. Not only did he make all that, but he knit us together in our mother's womb, he says. Here's what David says. He says, you created me in my inmost being, my most inward parts. First of all, my person, okay? Literally means liver. You created the soul and heart of who I am, my person. You created my person, who I am, and you created my body in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame isn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place in my mother's womb. I was woven together by you in the depths. And just the, the language is just God. You know how your, your grandmother knits together with care that, that scarf or that baby blanket? Do you know what I'm saying? They pour their heart into that gift. That's the language that God, God didn't just speak an idea and you just became part of an idea. He hand knit you together. He put you together specifically. He put your person and your body together. You are a perfect work, even better than your grandmother's scarf. You're a perfect work of his creation. How precious to me are your thoughts, verse 17, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, your thoughts about me, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Luke 12, 7 says, Why, even the hairs on your head are numbered. This is Jesus speaking. He says, don't have fear. You are so valuable to God. He even knows the number of hairs on your head. So I want you to think about that. I want you to pretend you got a box on your lap right now. And I want you to put that stuff... Even if you don't buy what I just said, even if you don't buy what God says in his word, that's fine. I want you to just pretend for a moment, put that box on your lap, and I want you to put in this box for right now, God is the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful creator. Okay, put those three things in your box right now. Okay, and I'm gonna ask you to sit for a minute. Put those three things. God, God knows everything. He's everywhere present, and he's the creator of everything, and he holds everything in his hands. He knit you and every person that ever was together, your person and your body, and, and he knows you. Put that in your box about God, on your lap. I want you to sit for a minute, and I want you to think, what should my life look like? What should life look like? If, if that is God, I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna test that out for a minute. If that's God, 
If God is that, what does that look like for me? Put that in your box for a minute. God, what does my life look like if you are all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, always there, you want to keep me and guide me, you want to lead me, what should, what should that look like in my life? What questions come to you? Take another 15 seconds. Here's what David says. He says, God, if you're infinite, what is up with all this evil? God, if you're all powerful, but how? God, are you serious? God, if you created the heavens, can you not take care of wickedness? That's what he says. Why not just get rid of all evil? This would be so much easier if there weren't any problems. And then David, who was who I said he is, he's the warrior, he's the fighter. What does he say? I'll take care of it. And he says it. He says it right here. He says, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. Literally, you men who are willing to destroy others for your gain. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. You speak with evil intent. God, your adversaries, they misuse your name. Don't I hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies because David's whole life, he says, God, get this wickedness, get this evil away from me. These people who will not follow you. Haven't you had that question before? God, if, if you made everything if you hold everything together, what's up with terrorism? What's up with dictators? God, cancer? Can't we sort that out? God, what's up with wicked people who take children? God, are you there? And many times as Christians, we say, okay, well, we'll take care of it. And we respond the way David does. And then David pauses. Because the question is a good one. God, I, I don't understand. If you are all everything, why evil? Why does it still exist? And then he stops. And he says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's an offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Because you and I have that question of God. God, how come my life is a train wreck? How come I keep going back into wickedness? And, and all of a sudden we realize that we want to accuse God of not taking care of evil and we want to accuse the world and, and others of, of being wicked and evil and, and then we realize, oh God, there's wickedness in me. Search me. Know me. Oh God, I'm so grateful that you've been patient with me. 
You see, that's where David goes. He says, God, why not take care of it? And then, oh God, thank you for your patience with me. Forgive me. He says these three things. He says, search me. Find the offense and the sin in me and lead me in your infinite way. Lead me in the way everlasting. Because the only one who is infinite, the only one who is everlasting is God. And I find that I am guilty of the same things. God, lead me in your way. David doesn't give us an answer. We'd all like that answer. David would have liked that answer. God, why not just wipe evil away? In fact, Jesus goes on to say in the New Testament, he says to his father, he says, don't take my followers, don't take the believers in me, don't take them out of the world. They need to be in the world to save so that I can save those who don't yet know me. Don't take them out of the world. Don't just wipe wickedness away because God is not only infinitely knowing, he's not only infinitely present, he's not only infinitely creative and powerful, but he's infinitely patient and holy with you and me. And so as you think about an infinite God, he's not an aloof, far-off God. He's present, and he is infinitely patient and holy with you and me. And David rests in God's love for him. And it's cause for worship. Some of you today, man, I would... I would love for you to say, God, I want to stretch my box a little bit further. I want to trust in you more than I know. More than I've trusted you in the past, I want to, I want to believe that you're infinitely aware of me. The band is going to come on up and, and we're going to worship. And, and I would love for today to be a day that you'd say, God, have more of me. God, stretch my box. I want to follow you. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come before you this morning, we're grateful for your word. God, we have that question. God, if you're infinite and all-powerful and you made all of this, God, how come? How come I still wrestle with sin? God, how come... Man, there's wickedness all around us. God, there's dictators fallen. There's, there's wickedness. And God, we, we struggle with this. But God, I look at myself and, and I'm so grateful, Father, for your patience and your holiness and your love for me and your pursuit of me. God, this morning, I would ask that you would, that you'd give courage to the one here who who wants to trust in you, but they have so many worries. God, I pray that you give conviction here to the Christian who has you in a small box, to the believer who fits you in on the sidelines of their life. God, you are a good God who wants to lead us and guide us into good things. So God, we praise you for your word this morning. We want to respond. God, right here, right now, we want to respond to you. And we want to say that you're great and you're mighty. Lead us, God, in the everlasting way.